Welcome, welcome to Super Bowl Sunday. Man, I'm excited. You know, Super Bowl is the last common space left in America. You guys know what that means? Like, it's, it's the only space left where it doesn't matter what ethnicity, culture, background, wherever leaning you are in life, you can sit down and watch a game together without trying to kill each other. It's one of the, the last common space. And so I love Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, anybody Rams fans? Rams fan here? Yeah, woohoo. Right, any any Patriot fans? Patriot Patriot fans? Yeah, feel all right. You know, like I, I'm torn. I'm torn this year. I'm really torn this year. You know, you you, you wanna you wanna root for the home team. You wanna root for the home team, but but it's like home team or like the legend, right? Like it's the man who has legacy six times. You know, too old, too slow, and yet he's still there. I don't know. I, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to. I can I, I can feel for him. I can feel for that kind of like pressure. You know. So, um, but we'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, we are in a. Uh, my name is Tony, by the way. If you guys didn't know, I am the uh, head pastor for English group here, and I'm um, glad that you guys are here. Uh, and you guys didn't disappear somewhere and watch the game, right? But you guys are here with us to uh, hear the word of God first, because this is gonna it's gonna change your life, man. I I got something good for y'all today. Okay. We are in the series called Game Changer. Everybody say Game Changers. Game Changers, right? And I know this sounds gimmicky, but I I honestly we we picked this this name because personally I really believe, right? I really believe that God can actually change the world through us. Okay? That we can actually be game changers in generation. Do you guys realize that every generation steps up to the plate to try to do this? To tr- to try to restore Eden back to uh to this place? That every generation, whether it's the boomers, the Xers, the millennials, disease now, right? Wherever every generation steps up to the plate, like we're gonna do it this time. We're gonna make this world great. We're gonna we're gonna change things for the better. And every generation, they 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 tweak it a little bit. They like to get there, but they ultimately always fail. Cause that's why you always have the next generation to come and fix it, right? They come in to try to fix it, and then they 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 tweak something. They they get something right, and then they ultimately don't hit it, and then the next one has to come. Every generation steps up to try to change the game, to restore beauty, to restore Eden. Right back, but every generation tends to always miss it by a little bit, and yet throughout time, throughout history, in the background, God has been working. God has been chipping away at history, chipping it away at reality, chipping it away at as He raises up people to step into every culture, every generation, to bring some sort of change, to 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 rebuild Eden back into our reality. Okay, every generation, God is in the background working to make this happen, right? And I believe in 2019, I want our church to realize that this is happening and that God has called you specifically to make it happen. I know you're thinking, like, who am I? What can I do? Can I tell you that God has a plan and a purpose for your very life? That he didn't just make you to just leave you, that he made you to do something, to be a part of the story, the history that he is writing. Because it's his story, right? He's writing the story and he's going to use you to make it a reality if you're willing, listen, if you're willing to step up to the plate, to not engage in the same storyline that every generation engages in, but to step up and say, God, I want to trust you. I want you to lead me challenge me and move me, that he will use you to change a whole generation, to, 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 to bring back, and I keep saying the word Eden, I know like, but it's true, the moment Eden fell, God's plan was to bring it back, from Genesis all the way to Revelation is to bring it back, and he uses people to do that, 
to restore every generation. He uses it to restore a little bit more of it until the day that we, he restores it completely. Right? And it's our generation, our time. And so we've we, we gone through this, and I want to I wanna share with you, because w- it's kind of slow, but how do we do this? How do we become game changers in this generation? How do we step up to the plate and actually change the culture, the society? How do we cu- step up and rebuild Eden? Okay, and uh, we talked about a few things. Let me review for you guys real fast uh, the slide. All right. First thing is you got to trust the process, right? God has a process. He didn't, he didn't just leave us hanging like, hey, guys, go do your thing and everything will work out. He's, there's a process to maturity. If you're going to grow to maturity, when you grow in maturity, that's when you get to the journey where you're like, I can do something. I can make a change. Because the more you become less shallow and more deep, the more you begin to engage uh, deep uh, inwardly rather than outwardly, then you're getting to the place where you say, I can make a change. Right? And that takes a couple processes. It takes what? Seeking the excellent standards, living within the parameter that God's given to you. He says, look, this is where you're going to flourish. I know that you want to, like, do your own thing and kind of do your own journey and do your own. I promise you, if you would trust my standard, if you would trust my parameter that I have placed for you, you will flourish. But you got to trust it and walk it. You may not understand why you're doing it. You may not understand what's happening. But if you would trust the parameters for you, it will flourish you. And as you're walking on this parameter, it says what? Embrace the suck. Because things are going to come, things are going to be bad. You're going to wonder why like, th- things are, th- are going to come up and it's just going to try to shake you. You're going to be tested. You're going to be, uh, sh- you're going to be um, attacked in every possible way. But it says embrace it because if you're willing to persevere, if you're willing to grow each and every step, the r- result for you is maturity. And when there's maturity, there's the heart to make changes. Now, I'm not saying, like, one day you're embracing the suck, and one day, hey, I'm mature. I'm ready, right? It's a journey. It's a process. You seek to stand. You, s- you walk in this parameter of excellence. You embrace the suck. It sucks, but I'm, I'm going to trust God only because he has done what he has done. And then as you do that, you grow. And then as you grow, you begin to do what? Seek it again. I'm going tr- to seek the standard. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to embrace the suck. And then you say yourself mature. And then over time, what we see in God's people it's depth. We see depth of wisdom. We see depth of character. We see people who are willing to make a stand and not be tossed back and forth. Not be like wherever the culture takes us, you just be dragged with that culture. But you're willing to say, no, this is what's right. And I'm going to stand for it. You see more strength in God's people. And when you have that, you begin to see that you are a game changer. Because you change not only your life. You change the life of the very people around you. You change the trajectory of their life. You change the trajectory of the life of your church, your workplace. Everywhere you step, your presence goes, God's presence goes with you in it, and then you realize, hey, I'm bringing Eden everywhere I go. You guys realize? Trust the process, right? Now, we talked about also that while you are walking in this process, you can get distracted. There are things that come to you that ends up like, hey, you know what? If God didn't want me to have this, then why did he put it in front of me? Because it's a, it's a trap. It's a trap. So you got to know your heart. You got to know what your heart is easily, or c- can get easily trapped by. So let me get the other slide, right? We talked about five, four different things that your heart can easily be driven by, whether it's power. I'm all about success. I'm all about I'm winning. I'm all about making it in life. I'm all about making sure I get the promotion. I'm doing well. My, 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 my family looks like it's the best of all the families, right? We're going to be the one that everyone looks to. And so when you 
when you get trapped into that, when you're walking and trusting this process and you get trapped into that, you're like, hey, if you take this route, you're going to be successful. If you take this route, you're going to do great. But instead of actually growing and maturing, you, you, you change your personal trajectory, and not only do you mess up your personal life, you mess up the life of the people around you because they feel used by you. People who seek for power, success, and winning, oftentimes the people around them feel used, feel manipulated, feel like always conned into thinking, okay, yeah, you're right, that's what we should do. And you, you get happy because like, yeah, that's exactly what I want you to do, right? You break people. And those who seek approval, those who want to be loved, to have affirmation in your workplace, in church, in your family, you're always seeking like, hey, I'm, 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 I'm going to say yes to everything because I don't want to feel rejected, so I'm not going to say no. I want everyone to know that I'm, I'm, I'm available, I'm ready to help. And so you're always wanting the approval. You want to hear like, hey, well done, thank you so much. And you get into this, and then all of a sudden you, you go through this process and you find yourself smothering others. Right? You are coward because you don't want to speak up. You're afraid of being rejected, so you kind of keep quiet. Or you go with the flow, and everyone says, oh, this is what you're supposed to do. Like, okay, I'll do that. Or people say, like, you know, this is what I, this is what I think we should, ha- uh, we should do in our relationship. Fine, I- I'll do that too, you know, because you don't want to be rejected because you're seeking so much approval. And these are what we call traps of your heart, easily to distract you from the process that God is taking. Yes, follow me? Taking you away from the process that God said. Uh, set for you. So pay attention. Pay attention to your heart. Because I, I, I told you, um, I showed it to you so that you would know your heart. I showed it to you so when it, sh- when it shows up, you won't just be lost by it, but you'll be like, I, I see it. I see it happening. I see the trap sprung. All right? I'm going to avoid it. You guys get me? Okay? Last week, last week, Evan uh, gave a great message upon, you know what? What's the habit of a person who is a game changer? What's the habit of a person who is a game changer? You know, all successful people have habits, right? And one of the most common habits for a successful person, you know what it is? It's to wake up early. You guys know that? I'll be like, I am not, that's why I will never be successful. Right? I can never wait. Like, if I sleep at 2.30 and they tell me to wake up at 5.30, it's game over. Right? The rest of the day will be dead day. You know, it will be the most useless day ever. Right? Because I cannot get up early no matter what you do. I just can't do it. And some of you guys are like that too. Some of you guys are night out. Some of you guys are like, early is nothing. Right? But every successful people have habits. Right? And so in the same way, game changers have habits. God's people have habits. People who are going to take up the mantle, be used by God to make an impact and to change the trajectory of other people around them, they too have habits. And one of the habits that Evan talked about last week, uh, slide, is just do it. Just do it. This is the Bible. Here's the word of God. This is what he's saying. Before I even preach it, before I even open it and share to you what it has to say, would you come in humility and say, Whatever it is, God, if it is from you, I will follow. I will obey. To know that you would not have gone through all of that work, all of that just to save my heart, not to give me an instruction that's going to mess my, my life up. That's not, what, that's not who you are. So I will have the trust to say, whatever it is that comes from this word, I'll step into it. I'll do it. It may, I may, it may not make any sense to me at this moment, but I will trust it. I'll do it, and well, I'll, I'll let you write the story, not me. Because when we have that habit, you know what happens? God's people begin to change the things around them. God's people begin to actually make changes to people's lives around them. 
God's people begin to show forgiveness, even though when people say, why would you forgive so-and-so? God's people begin to be at peace, even though the situation calls for worry. God's people begin to love, even though the situation calls to be, to be angry and hate. God's people, God's, the situation calls you, God's people begin to be inclusive, even though everyone else around you being exclusive, right? Would you just do it, okay? And so today, I want to share with you another habit. Another habit of someone who is uh, going to be used by God to make a change to this world. A habit of someone who is able to step into the world and actually change the trajectory of those around them. Change the culture to make it beautiful, to, make it re- to bring back reality, right? To make things real again, to ha- make things true once again. What is the habit? I'm going to share with you this video first, right, about it. And, um, well, and, then, and then I'll give you guys the, the answer to that question, okay? <laughs> So I'm at the airport and they've got this deal for five donuts for $5, which is an awesome deal because it's pretty much the same price as buying three donuts anyway, so it doesn't matter. And I set my stuff down and I pick up the paper and I start reading the paper and this guy sits down across from me. And so I, you know, look over the paper and he kind of gives me a bit of a smile and I give him a bit of a nod and I go back to reading the business section. A little while later, I hear this rustling on the table and I'm like, I look over and the guy has got his hand in the bag of donuts. Okay, that's a bit weird, but it doesn't really matter. The guy looks like he's homeless. He probably needs it more than I do. And I've still got four donuts anyways, and I'm not gonna eat all four donuts. So what do I care? So I reach in the bag and I grab a donut and I start eating it. And I go back to reading the paper. So I'm just getting into the social pages and I hear this rustling on the table again. And I look over, and the guy's got his hand in the bag of donuts, again! He takes a bite, and I'm like, what the crap? And now I'm getting a bit angry, but the precedent has been set, and so I, I don't feel like I can say anything. But I reach into the bag a bit more aggressively, I take a bite, and I just shake my head like, whatever. So a few minutes have gone by and there's this call on the loudspeaker for the next departure and the guy gets up and he starts gathering up all his stuff and he gets to the end of the table and he stops and I see him out of the corner of my eye and he reaches into the bag and he pulls out the last donut and I'm like, seriously? And he looks at me, he breaks it in two and he hands it to me. I reach out and I take this half and I'm in total disbelief and he kind of nods at me and he walks off. So while I'm sitting here pondering the absurdity of what's just happened, I hear the call for my flight. And so I get up and I grab my bag and I grab my jacket and under my jacket is my bag of donuts. Not only was I eating that guy's donuts the whole time, and he didn't say anything, he took out his last donut, and he broke it in half and gave it to me. All right, so what's the habit? (laughs) What what, what, what am I saying? The habit of someone who can really change the game. It's not just to just to just do it when you get to the word, but it's also this being able to see the big picture, right? Able to hold off judgment, to not rush to a conclusion, to be impartial 
without the need to gain anything. Right? The habit of someone who can change the game is someone who can actually see the big picture. You know, and, and this is such a, um, a, a big thing for our, our, our generation, our time, because why? In our generation, our time, there's so much information that's given out at once, right? And it's so easy to jump to a conclusion the moment you see it. It's so easy based on your bias, your judgment to like, okay, well, this must be all of it. This must be everything. And so you make a whole entire story, and you can actually ruin someone's life. Not just their life, but the life of the people around them. Because why? You rushed to a conclusion, you made a judgment, and you did not see the big picture. Instead of changing their lives for the better, you've actually engage in a cultural trend to destroy a life based on lack of information. You guys get me? Right? The habit of a game changer is to be able to see the big picture. Nowadays, the the news that comes out, it's not even about what's true, it's about what's first. Right? Isn't that true? You, 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 as long as it's the first thing that comes out, as long as it's the first thing that, 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 that gets your attention, like, yay, right? You don't even care if it's true. You don't care if it's right. And we buy into it. We're like, yeah, that must be the truth. And when we get into that, we begin to hurt, destroy, and actually prejudge people based on our cultural bias, our visual bias, our personal bias towards that. You guys get me? A game changer is someone who sees the big picture. Not rush to conclusion, not make a judgment, right? To be impartial. And James is going to uh, help us by posing a similar situation in the church. He's going to help us by posing a similar situation that he sees in the church, and in the midst of that, he's going to teach us, he's going to teach the church to see the bigger picture. We're going to read through the book of James, or the letter of James, right? And we're going to see how he poses a situation that's very very similar, easy to jump to conclusion, make a judgment call, and he's gonna, we're going to learn how important it is, or what he's trying to show us, by teaching us to see the bigger picture. So if you could open up uh, your, your Bible to the book of James, chapter 2, and we'll start there, right? For those of you guys who haven't been around for our series, I mean, let me give you a kind of a just a background on the, the book of James, the letter of James. The letter of James is this letter that James, who is a pastor uh, to a bunch of cr- uh, Christians in Jerusalem a long time ago, he, uh, he, he was pastoring them, and then something, bro- uh, a persecution broke out among all Jewish Christians. And so they were, they were forced to fled throughout the known world. They just basically left their hometown, their home place, and they just went all over to the known world, and they began to make pockets of just small groups, pockets of churches all over. And it was a beautiful thing because the goal was as you're making these pockets of churches and small groups, you were going to be the game changer in that town, in that city, in that area. You were supposed to go there and really uh, live your life in such a way that so contrasts to the world, contrasts to that generation, that it will change that culture. But the problem was, as these churches were being developed, they were facing lots of personal obstacles. And as they were facing more and more obstacles, instead of actually creating changes to the world, they began to be petty and started to hurt one another. Right? So some of the obstacles they were facing was the husbands couldn't find jobs. Right? They, they had trouble getting permits to set up businesses. And, so what, and, if, and if they did set up a business, the business was boycotted. Always. Because... People didn't like them. People in the town didn't like these guys because they were Jews. And the Jewish community didn't like them because they were Christians. And so they were constantly being boycotted, even to try to run a natural, simple business. But they couldn't do that. Their wives were being hassled in the market. The children were being tormented at school. Everywhere they went, they faced obstacles. And so James, 15 years late after the persecution, he writes, he hears about this, and he writes them this letter. It's a reminder, you were supposed to be change, uh, people who made change. 
to the world around you. You were supposed to be the game changer. And we're fighting within each other. There's something going on. Your perspective is off. You've lost this habit. And so in chapter 2, he's going to talk about seeing the big picture, not showing partiality, right? Not living in favoritism, not jumping to a conclusion, not rushing to judgment. He's going to paint this picture for us, and he's going to teach us what? See the big picture. Man, you got to see the big picture, guys. You cannot live just jumping at every information that comes your way. See the big picture. So open your Bibles to James chapter 2. We're going to read verse 2. And he's going to introduce us to two, a scenario with two characters, a rich dude and a poor guy, okay? He's going to give us a scenario with two uh, characters. He's going to pose a scenario for the church with two characters. James chapter 2, verse 2, okay? Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. So here, imagine this church, okay? They're filled with people who can't get their business going. Wives are being hassled. Kids are being tormented. They're being hated. They're being boycotted. And a rich man with a gold ring with fine clothes walk in. This is a Roman, uh, Roman upper-class person. Walks into their church. And the moment they see them, they're like, whoa, this guy. This is the type of guy that can get me that permit. This is the type of guy that can get all the people around me to, boy- to stop boycotting me. He can silence the crowd. This is the type of guy who has enough influence to get my wife or to, to allow my wife to, uh, to shop hassle-free. This is the type of guy who has enough influence to make sure that my kids don't get tormented in school. This is the type of guy that can give me something. So the moment they see this guy walking in, you can imagine they're like, they're like wow, okay. I got I to gotta chum me up. I got to rub shoulders. I got to make sure that I make some contacts here, you know? I got I to gotta, um, uh, make sure that he knows who I am. So he poses the situation. So, so simi- something similar like this for our church. It's like, it's like having someone come to church, pulling up in a Tesla, right, wearing an amazing, you know, whatever up-to-date clothing, right, three-piece suit, right, or well put together, hair is combed, right, smells great, and you might recognize him, like, whoa, 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 this this person's famous. This person's, at, why are they doing it at our church? I don't know, but they're here, right? This person's famous. Holy moly, right? Like, they're a YouTube star, or they're like some other star. They're like, I, I want to, <laughs> I want to, <laughs> let's get to know them. Maybe like we can get tickets to somewhere. You know, let's just rub shoulders with them. Or you may look at them and be like, oh, this person, this person is the admission director to the farm school I've been trying to get into. If I just get them to know my name. I can, like, maybe help, or they might remember me and actually, like, you know, put me into consideration when they're going through my file, right? Or they're like, oh, this dude, this dude is um, director at SpaceX or Deloitte, right? And you're like, I want an internship. I really want an internship. If I just kind of rub shoulders with this dude, he might offer me an internship. So you can imagine that sense of feeling when someone important, rich, or has uh, influence comes into the community, right? That's how they, they start feeling, right? And so the second character that James puts up is this other person. Look, look at verse 2 again. It says, and suppose... Oh, uh, where am I? Suppose and a poor man in shabby clothes co- also comes in. So it's the second person is this shabby dude, right? He's a little grimy, right? Unkept. His hair is not combed. Has a little funk to him, right? Worked a lot. He, you can see the scuff on his boots. He's not. He's not like what you would say, like you know, well put together. It's like see someone coming up to church, and you can hear their car before you see their car. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's, it's someone like whose clothes don't really match. Right, whose hair is all over the place. You can see the cowlick because they just woke up or like they for some reason can't comb their hair, right? Then maybe the, the, you look at them and they're a little bit overweight because they're uncomfortable in their skin and like kind of like moving around. Like, like and, and, but imagine this. 
they both walk up to the door at the same time. Who do you help first? Right? And look at verse 3. Well, this is what he says. He says in verse 3, If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, Here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, You stand there, you sit on the floor by my feet. Okay? Verse 4 says, Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And so the scenario that James is, is posing is this, like, you would be tempted for this person, this rich person, this influential person to kind of like, hey, hey, you stay here for a little bit, you know, like watch your car. I think it's still making noise for some reason. Like, let me, let me, let me take this person in. Hey, I got the perfect seat for you, right? The spot where the air conditioner is not too cold, not too hot, right? The spot where just the, the, the sound is perfect, where you can run if PT, like, you know, like says, or that you won't be sitting where, you know, his spits is flying at you. I got the perfect leg room. Let me find that spot for you. We can sit down. We can chat a little bit afterwards. And then you walk up to the second dude, and you're like, all right, man, like, honestly, there's no more room, so you got to sit in the one spot that no one wants to sit in, like, right here, right? That spot, right, where no one likes to sit, you know, like, but there's so many other seats. Like, no, 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 this is your spot, because we got to save the other seats for other people. You, you can sit here, you know, like, you apparently don't care, so just sit here, okay? There's a temptation for that, right? There's a temptation to have those quick judgments based upon what you see, based upon how you feel. You, is a, there's a temptation to rush to conclusion. There's a temptation to, to say that I haven't really seen the big picture about this, but I'm just going to make my call right now. Make this call, okay? Take care of the richer guy, more influential guy. Forget about the poorer guy, right? And so look at verse 1. This is what James is saying. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. In such a situation, if we're really committed to changing the game for the Lord Jesus Christ, to restore Eden, to be game changers, to see the bigger picture, to hold off judgment, to not rush to conclusion, to love impartially, then we have to see the bigger picture and not show partiality. Right? You have to be able to look at these, both of these situations and not show partiality, to be impartial with your love to see the big picture and not rush to a conclusion based on whatever bias you may have or whatever needs that you may want. And so the question here is this. So, so, so James is setting it up. He's setting up a scenario and he's telling you, see the big picture. Don't rush a conclusion. Don't make a quick judgment. See the big picture. But the question is, how does seeing the big picture, PT, help me to be a game changer? How does seeing the big picture, not rushing to conclusion, not making a quick judgment, showing partiality, uh, not showing partiality, how does that help me be a game changer? How does that habit help me develop my ability to change the game, to bless people, to change the trajectory of those around me? How does it do that? And he gives us four answers here, okay? First one, look at verse four. He says this. When you take care of the rich guy and you don't take care of the poor guy, verse 4 says, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And what this word discriminate means is the same word for doubt. Have you not doubted among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? You know what that means? That means the only reason why, Jesus says the only reason why you're helping that dude, the rich guy, the guy who can influence you, is because you think that God will not show up for you. The reason why you are trying your best to make that contact, rub shoulders, is you believe that God will not show up to watch over you in terms of your internship, your, your, uh, your future, your plans. You think that he has kept, you, that he has, he has, uh, kept quiet with you, that he is no longer watching over you. You have basically become judges with evil thoughts. 
You think that you can control and run the situation yourself. How does it make you not? How does it make you become a game changer when you see the big picture? Is that you show that you have a deeper trust in God when you see the bigger picture. You show everyone that you know what I'm not going to be partial in my love. I'm not going to rush to judgment because here's the answer. God, right, is the one that writes the story, not me. I'm not going to jump in there and then take control of the situation myself. Right? I'm not going to go in there and 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 try to fix the 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 game myself. I'm going to let God do what he does. And I'm going to be impartial in my love. I'm not going to rush to judgment. I'm not going to rush to a conclusion. I'm going to see the bigger picture. When you do that, it shows that you actually, listen, you don't just talk about trusting God, you actually do trust God. Right? Cuz you know how many of, how, many, how many of us we do that? We talk like, "Oh, I trust God." But after I do all this first, right? I mean, I'll do, it's like this story. It's like, um, it's like this, uh, I, I heard this, uh, this illustration. I love this illustration. It was like this dude, he got drunk one night, and he started, you know, taking a gun. He started shooting all over his house, right? He shot, he shot everywhere, and there's a bunch of holes in his house. And so he woke up next day, and he realized, oh, shoot, all right, I, have a, I have a party to host very soon. So he goes out, and he buys red paint, and so he starts painting target signs around this, the holes, right? And so his, 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 um, his guests come, they're like, wow, you're a good shot. Look, you hit the bullseye every single time. Unbelievable, right? You're, you're amazing, right? And so, and so the, the picture was instead of actually having some sort of goal to walk to, you just kind of shot everywhere and kind of like, hey, let me just kind of create the scenario for myself. Let me create this picture for myself. Let me be the one who uh, sets the stage or create the storyline, right? That's what every generation tries to do. Do you guys realize that? Every generation tries to set their own storyline. And yet every generation always fails to create real beauty in it. You create some, no doubt, right? But fails to create real, life-changing, soul-rectifying beauty. But yet God says, in the background, would you trust me? See, when you see the bigger picture, it is an indication and it shows within your heart that you have an actual trust. You're not just talking about it. You're actually living it, okay? Two, when you develop the habit of seeing the big picture, to hold off judgment, to not rush to conclusion, verse 5 to 7, it shows this. Listen, my dear brothers, has God not chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him of him to whom you belong? Right? When you develop the habit of seeing the bigger picture, being impartial in your love, not showing favoritism, when you develop the habit of not jumping to a conclusion, not rushing to judgment, you show this. You show that you have wisdom about people. You have wisdom about what a person really is. You're not judging them based upon their group identity. You're judging them as the individual. You see them as the individual. Don't you guys hate that? When someone judges you based on the group? Like, you're all Asian, so you must be all smart at math, right? right. Who's, who sucks at math here? Raise your hand. Right. That's what I'm saying, right? But everyone thinks you're Asian. You must be, uh, like, you must be good at math. Or you're Asian, so you, you must be bad at driving, okay? 
that's not true. Okay, I'm pretty sure that's not true, right? You know, or or or, or for example, or for example, you're a guy, so you must not know how to um, care for kids. What are you talking about, right? I, my kid will survive in my hands, right? He will actually, he can, in my hands, he can probably do great things, you know, amazing things. But I just kind of let it go, kind of, hey, wife, do your thing, right? Or 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 if you're a girl, you can't play the drums. Like why not, right? There's, 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 there's these groups that people begin to put us into based on what we affiliate ourselves with. And so God is saying, if you see the bigger picture, if you open your eyes, if you don't rush to conclusions, if you don't put life into a biasness, you know what happens? You don't see people that way. You have wisdom about people. So that poor guy that walked into your church, right, he may have a deeper faith and a deeper love for God than that rich dude. He may be the dude that says, like, God, every, every night or every morning before he goes to work, I'm not sure if my car is going to make it to work, God, so I'm just going to hand it into your hands. Lord, please, please get me to work and get me home. And every night he comes home and his car made it, and he's like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I got home safely, right? Or, if you, or that, that, that kid that you may see that's a little bit uncomfortable in his shoes, he may be the kid that comes in, sits in his corner by himself, but he may be the kid that actually works and gives actually half of his Work um, half of his money to his offering, to his tithe. Because he loves his God and he honors his God. But you prejudge them based on his looks, based on what you think his group identity looks like, based on how your personal bias towards that. Don't you guys hate that? You guys hate to be put in a box, and yet we subconsciously do it all the time, don't we? Instead of having the wisdom about people, we start looking at people as a whole group, and we start identifying individuals as a group. And it's such, isn't that such an evil thing to do? It's such a, a painful thing. But if you're a game changer, someone who sees the big picture, you show that you actually have wisdom about people. I'm not saying that all rich people are bad, right? I'm not saying that all rich people are, are evil. But James is saying, you know, sometimes it's, it's th- some those who are rich that exploit those who are poor. Is that not true? Right? And so here you are pandering to this rich guy and forgetting the dude that can actually who actually loves and honors your God. You're pandering to someone who actually blasphemes your God versus neglecting someone who actually knows your God. You know, if you ever speak to a homeless person, a homeless person is a faithful person. You guys realize that? They they have, for some reason, they always say, I I believe in God, I trust in God. And you're like, what in the world? Like, how? Like, in this situation? Like, how would you even say that? Do you know why? Because a homeless person, a person who is poor, understands something that a rich person can never understand the need for help. A homeless person understands that they cannot do this on their own. They always need someone's hand of grace to come in and pull them out. And so when you preach the gospel to them, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I get that. It's, that's me, right? <laughs> You're like, we need Jesus to save us? Yeah, I, need, I understand that because my life is all about needing people to save me. But the rich person says, I don't need anybody. I got this. I'm in control. I have power. You see, when you begin to have a bigger picture, you begin to have wisdom about people. You see them differently. You don't group them as a whole. You don't look at someone and say, oh, you're white, you must be this. Or you're black, so you must be this. Or you're Hispanic, so you must be this. Or you're Asian, so you must be this. You don't group people like that. You actually have wisdom. And you're actually able to say, let me see the bigger picture about who you are. Right? You're able to say, I'm, I'm going to rush to conclusion, but I'm going to see who you really are. 
So when you develop the habit of seeing the big picture, not to show favoritism, holding off judgment, one, it shows that you have a deeper trust of God. Two, it shows that you have a wisdom for people. And then three, look at verse 8 through 11. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. But he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you become a lawbreaker. So let me, let me break that down for you. Let me help you because I know that sounds a little bit confusing. Right? So he starts off this thing by saying, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, the royal law is the law that commands everything. Love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. That is the, that is the law that encompasses all the law. You guys get me? That's the thing that encompasses everything. And so James is saying if you are a bigger picture person, if you are a person who actually uh, hold off judgment, do not rush your conclusion, and you break that law, you break that law, the, the law to love your neighbors as yourself. Do you know what that reveals about your heart? That reveals that you're willing to break all the others. Because if the royal law has no bearings upon your spirit, then any other law has no bearings upon your spirit. You might outwardly not lie, not steal, not kill, but inwardly there's a whole different dimension that's happening there. Because if you cannot love your neighbor as yourself, you're willing to break that 100%, you do not care about the other law. When that reveals what? That reveals that you do not seek for your God. That, that what's driving you, what's moving you, What's motivating you, what's giving you a sense of worth and identity is not the God that is moving history. It is whatever culture and whatever is in place at that time. How do we become game changers? By seeing the big picture. When you see the big picture, it shows that you have this ability to submit to God's word fully. Remember? It's this word. Everyone says that. Just... This is what he says, just do it. Just do it, right? And if our hearts have this partiality for people, if our heart shows favoritism, if our hearts is always rushing to judgment, if our hearts is always making uh, uh, conclusions before we know anything, that, tells, that, that reveals so much. It reveals that if you're willing to break that, it doesn't matter. Everything else, you already know that you're willing to break. You're probably already broken everything else. But also says it, but if you keep that, if that becomes the driving force of your life, then what we see is what? You fighting for everything else. You're fighting to uphold everything. You might not be perfect at it, but you're fighting for it. You're fighting to love. You're fighting to forgive. You're fighting to not lie to a neighbor. You're fighting not to cheat. You're fighting to love your spouse and not commit adultery with your spouse, right? against your spouse. You're fighting for that because you do what? You love God and you love people. See, it, it shows. It reveals the, the reality of your heart. See, if you cannot see the big picture, if you're unwilling to see the big picture, if you jump to a conclusion, if you rush to a judgment, it shows what's really there and what's really driving it. You guys follow me? Okay. So, when you develop the habit of seeing the big picture. I'm, I keep repeating this because I need you guys to remember it. That's why, okay? And it's hard for me to repeat it because I always have to like, I'm trying to say it fast, but you know, when you develop the habit of seeing the big picture, 
holding off judgment, not rushing to conclusion, loving impartially. One, you show that you have a deep trust for God, that he is the one that ordains my fate. He is the one that writes history. He is the author and perfecter of everything I am. Two, you show that you have a wisdom about people, that you don't just group people together. You don't just biasly make calls about people. Then three, you have a wisdom. Oh, I'm sorry. Three, you have a submission to God's word, all of it. You may not keep it perfectly, but you're submitting to it. Say, I messed up today, but I am going to get better. I'm going to walk with it. But here's the fourth thing. Right? When you develop that habit, you show that Jesus Christ is the one that's actually driving your life. Check it out. Verse 12 to 13 says this. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. See, someone who sees the big picture understands this. That God did not judge me. Simply by group identity. He doesn't say all sinners all die, right? He showed mercy. He showed impartial love. He saw the big picture. Did you not see the big picture? The Bible said what? For the joy set before him. On the cross, the Bible says for the joy set before him, he took the cross. And that joy was what? He saw you coming to him. He saw the sons and daughters returning home. He saw Eden being restored through you happening. And he took the cross. He endured, he embraced the suck, right? He took the cross. He did it. He changed the game. Why? Because he saw the big picture. He didn't rush to judgment. He didn't draw conclusions. He wasn't partial in his love. When you develop the habit of seeing the big picture, not rushing to judgment, not drawing conclusions. It reveals that God is the one that's actually authoring and moving your life. It reveals that you are actually being driven by him, that you are a part of that story. You're not just making up your own. You're not just, doing, you're not just this lone wolf living in this world thinking that you can make it. He is the one driving you. All right? And so that's it. That's the habit. The habit of a game changer. Evan talked about it last week. Just do it. Listen to the word and obey it. James is saying it for us today. The habit of a game changer is this. See the big picture. Don't, don't show favoritism. Love without, love impartially. Don't rush to conclusions. Don't create judgment. You guys, you guys follow me? Because ultimately, we follow a God who did not rush to judgment. We follow a king, right, who saw the bigger picture, who didn't draw quick conclusions. He trusted the process. He embraced the suck. And in reality, he saw God's people return home. He changed the trajectory of all those around him. And so when you do that, listen, guys, when you have the courage to do that, even in the midst of all your friends and all your buddies jumping to a conclusion, jumping to a judgment, but you have the courage to say, let's just wait, yeah? Let's, let's be patient about this conclusion we're making. You know what? Let's not, let's not make that judgment call upon that person simply because that person 
uh, relates himself with this group. Let's not call this person such and such because we don't know anything about her. Just because she hangs out with a bunch of weird people doesn't mean that she's weird too. Right? Let's not make those calls. Let's be patient. Let's find out. Right? Because when you do that, when you do that, you're a game changer. Let me show you this video, okay? And it's uh, it's it's a Thai video. I think it's Thai, Thai or Cambodian. I can't I can't tell, but it's a, uh, uh <laughs> but it's, you know it's it does speak a different, but it does it's it's uh it's very similar to this. I want you guys to see like this lady who, at first glance, is like Tiger Mom looking lady, right? You're like you just like, I'm scared of her, but then as you see the story play out and you see how uh, people have cheated her, you realize the bigger picture. So check it out. เฮ้ยเจดังแล้วว่ะสามวันล้านวิวทำอะไรกับสองคนวันวันไม่เคยทำงานที่มันมีประโยชน์เลยนะเลิกเลิกเล่นได้คลีนไม่โทรศัพท
Okay. ทำทุกอย่างเหมือนเดิมเก็บค่าเช่าเท่าเดิมเก่าใจเกินมาเนี่ยอยากจะขายต่อมั้ยแต่ไม่อยู่ต่อไม่ตลาดเนี่ย